All right. Thank you all so much for coming. And uh, you're not allowed to fall asleep after all that good food I heard was in there. So stay awake. Um, Back in 2017, I went to a um, children's conference in Nashville, Tennessee. It was at a very large um, Baptist church. And they had guest speakers and music, and then we'd go into these breakout sessions about different aspects of ministry. And uh, one night, one of our speakers were HK and Jim, and that was in 2017. And when I was, uh, when we were planning this missions conference, I was like, I need like, I need like a, a speaker that's so special that everybody's going to just want to hear his story. And, um, I remembered these two, and his story is just so incredible about how the Lord brought him into this world and um, allowed their chance meeting that I can't, still can't believe actually happened, um, and so they're going to share that with us tonight, and, uh, but we have a little clip to play. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, for those who saw it a couple of weeks ago, it'll just bless you again, so let's roll that video. final segment that was on TV, it was 55 seconds. So pretty amazing. And this is one of his favorite places to send a donut shop in downtown Nashville. Certain technology, isn't it wonderful? (laughs) Okay, well I tell you what, you think we can get this, if we can't, we'll just do without it. I can't hear that good. We're paid by the hour, so it doesn't matter to us. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Mark Barden here at Sandy Hook Promise. On December 14, 2012... Just about everyone in Nashville knows the remarkable story of H.K. Derryberry and his good friend Jim Bradford. They enjoy making the rounds. Nice to meet you. It's just a joy for me when I'm around him because he just, uh, it's just so enlightening. He's also enthusiastic. 17 years ago, Jim dashed into a Nashville restaurant to grab a cup of coffee. H.K. was in the corner, a nine-year-old with legs and braces listening to his radio. The kind of kid an executive on the go might ignore. But on this day, at that moment, Jim made a lifelong friend. said, uh, good morning, buddy. What's your name? I'm H.K. Derby. What's your name? I'm Jim. Nice Nice to meet you, H.K. Nice to meet you, too. HK's mother, pregnant with him, died in a car accident. He was born three months premature, blind and with cerebral palsy. His dad disappeared, so his grandmother was raising HK by herself until Jim walked into that restaurant. He loves HK, and I do think that it, that it was meant to be. 
when is your birthday? And no one would know about HK's incredible gifts were it not for Jim Bradford. HK has a remarkable mind for days and deeds. And your birthday was on Father's Day in 1997, 2003, 2008, and 2014. Oh my gosh, it is. And you don't look a day over 18. Oh my gosh! Who gets more out of this? Oh, I think I do. HK and Jim. A chance encounter that changed them both and made life... Lovely, lovely, lovely. Kerry Sanders, NBC News, Nashville. NBC If you can imagine, that's three days' work, maybe $20,000 to do. We didn't pay for it, but... Anyway, amazing, and then it did create a little story there for about 55 seconds. But uh, anyway, thank you for having us. I normally actually stand up when, when I'm doing the introduction, so I'll do that tonight, so that's typically the way we do it. Uh, I'm Jim Bradford, and this is my good friend HK that I'll introduce to you in just a few minutes. But uh, all of us probably have some things that have happened in our life that you weren't expecting. Now, we're going to, I've got, I, they've got a clock back here that I have to watch, but I wasn't told to watch the clock that carefully. So if I go over our time, just it's a little bit more per hour. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, October 16th of 1999 was a Saturday morning, and it was the first fall cold day that year. I had played tennis that morning, something I did every winter for about 20 years with three or four of my buddies, and we would meet. If any of you are familiar with Nashville, there is a suburb in Nashville called Green Hills. And we would meet at McDonald's, and then we would, uh, about 7 o'clock, about 7.45, we would drive over 15 minutes to an indoor tennis court, and we would play tennis till 10 o'clock. And back then, I drank one cup of coffee a day. I'd already had my coffee that morning at McDonald's, but when we started playing tennis, all I could think about was going to Starbucks in Brentwood, where I live, and getting another cup of coffee. So when we finished the match, <clears throat> rather than hanging with the guys for another 30, 40 minutes, drinking Gatorade, cooling off, which old guys have to do from time to time, uh, <clears throat> I just told them goodbye and got in my car and started to Brentwood. And when I, Brentwood is kind of a bedroom community. We don't really have a downtown for Brentwood. But the main intersection is, is a crossroads where you get off the interstate, Franklin Road and Old Hickory Boulevard. So I'm coming down Old Hickory Boulevard, get to the traffic light that's on red, and I'm sitting there waiting to turn right, something I'd done before because I'd had coffee from Starbucks in the past, but I'm going to drive one mile. I'm at a Starbucks store. While I'm sitting there waiting for the light to change, I look over to my left, and about 20 feet in the air is a red and white sign that says, Mrs. Winter's Chicken and Biscuits. And when the light turned red, I mean green, I turned left instead of right. I drove one-tenth of a mile, pulled into a little parking lot with potholes worse than the Highway 65 South that we were on today. <laughs> and uh, I went in to get my gourmet coffee. And I'm going to tell you the whole story tonight. But we do have a book out there that has a lot more stories about his life, if you'd like a book. And, and I'm going to tell you, too. They're $20. We take a check or cash. If you'd like a book but don't have either, we're on the honor system with you. Pick up one of my business cards out there on the table, take a book, and when you think about it, send me a check. So if you'd like a book and don't have money, you can get it by just taking a book. On page three, we both have signed them. I spent last week signing 400 books because we've got three speaking events coming up. And we had five, four last week, I think. But anyway, long story short. I walked in to get my coffee, and there's a little lady behind the counter. She said, may I help you? I said, yes, ma'am, I'd like a cup of coffee. She said, are you 55 years old? And I'm thinking, why would she ask that? All I want is a cup of coffee. And about two months before that, I had been to my high school class reunion where I had personally voted myself the youngest-looking male member of my class. <laughs> Even though I was 56, I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about it, and so I... I, I'm thinking, surely she's not talking to me, but I turned to see who's behind me. I'm the only person there. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, I'm 55. She said, congratulations. Because at our restaurant, that qualifies you as a senior citizen. 
and your coffee, instead of 95 cents, it's only 25 cents. I said, hot dog, what about chicken? No, just coffee. <laughs> so anyway, with tax, I got a 27-cent cup of coffee. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you have been to Starbucks before? A little different than at the chicken place. You go to Starbucks, and they say, may I have your name after you order your coffee? And they write your name on a cup. And then somebody eventually puts the coffee in there. Oh, Jim, where's Jim? Would you like room for cream? Yes, ma'am. And when they get it all finished and the top back on it, somebody down at the end of the counter says, Jim, your coffee's ready. It wasn't that way at the chicken place. She reached over and pulled out a styrofoam, and this is a true story. She pulled out a styrofoam cup that looked like some kid had bit, (laughs) taken a bite out of the cup. I said, ma'am, I think this one's been used. And so she just threw it in the garbage, took another one. She said, the coffee's over there. And they had two urns. One said, it did say, we serve Maxwell House. So I'm thinking, that's good because my grandparents, who I lived with growing up, they always drank Maxwell House coffee. So anyway, I go over one's regular and one's decaf. I don't know how you do yours, but I, I take a cup of coffee. I usually put one Splenda, stir it, sip it. And it's usually not enough. It, I need something, a little more sweetener. So I usually, about a half a Splenda, and then I put one little creamer. Well, for 27 cents, this is the most perfect cup of coffee I had ever had. So I put the lid on it, and I'm ready to leave the restaurant. And when I walked in, it, there was nobody that I noticed in the dining area. So I'm thinking at 7.40, I mean the 10.45 in the morning, that must be the break between lunch and breakfast. But as I turned to leave for the first time, I see a little boy sitting at a table. The little boy that you saw the picture of in the yellow shirt and sitting there at the table. And being curious, I turned to the lady behind the counter because what I noticed was he needed a haircut. He had on a dirty white T-shirt. He had braces on his legs. He needed a haircut. He had on braces on his legs. And I figured with braces, there must be something wrong with him. So I turned to the lady behind the counter that was putting plastic utensils in a container getting ready for lunch. She had a badge on it that said, Helen. I said, Helen, pardon me. I said, who's the little boy? She said, oh, that's HK. He's our sweetheart. I said, well, who's HK? Well, the lady who sold you the coffee is his grandmother. She can't afford a babysitter, so she brings HK to sit while she works on Saturdays and Sundays. I said, how long does he sit? Sit there. And she said, only from 8 till 5. I said, you got to be kidding. And I ticked her off. She said, well, he doesn't do it every day. He goes to school during the week. And as I turned to leave, and I might tell you, at at 56 years old, I had never, ever stopped to talk to a family that had a child with a disability, nor had I ever stopped to talk to an adult that had a disability that was visible. I didn't, you know, if I saw someone with a disability, what, I felt sorry for them, had pity for them, tried to make sure I didn't get caught staring because sometimes they look different. As I turned to walk away with my perfect tasting cup of coffee and go do the things my wife Brenda has told me I've got to do before I get home, she sarcastically said, oh, yes, he's also blind. And when she said that, I walked right to his table. I said, hey, buddy, what's your name? I'm HK. What's your name? Uh, my name's Jim. Nice to meet you. Well, it's nice to meet you, HK. Where do you live? Uh, I live in Brentwood. What street? It's on Harpeth River Drive. What's that off of? Old Hickory Boulevard. What time did you get up this Six morning? o'clock. Wait a minute. And I'm trying to ask him questions, but he won't, he won't answer my questions. He just keeps going. So keep going, HK. Then what did you do? Well, I took a shower. Then what? I put on my tennis clothes. Then what? I drove to Green Hills. That's enough. I'm thinking, this is the craziest kid I've ever seen. This must be like what is being interrogated by the FBI. So anyway, I said, HK, it's been nice meeting you, but I have things Brenda's got, my wife has for me to do this morning. I've got to go to the post office, got to go to the dry cleaners, and got to go to Publix Food Market. So I've got to go, but it's nice meeting you. Nice to meet you, too. Hope to see you again soon. Well, I hope to see you again also. We have any lawyers in here? There is such thing as a verbal contract. And I didn't realize what I just did because on October 16th of this year, it'll be 25 years that I said, I hope to see you again also. So anyway, long story short, the next Saturday, and I got home too. I went to the post office, dry cleaners, and the grocery store, got home, and guess what? I had not taken the lid off my coffee. 
because all I could think about was the little boy I just left at the restaurant. Next Saturday, after we played tennis, I drove back. I looked through the window to see if he's still there. He was at the same table. I walked in. I pulled out a chair, and I sat down, and I endured 20 minutes of what you do next. Okay? So I finally said, it's okay. I've got to go. And uh, so the next Saturday, I went back. He was there. I go in. I pull out the chair again, sit down. He did say, are you the man that came last week? I said, yes. And then he started the same thing. Third time, I went back to sit with him. I said, HK, let me start today's conversation. I said, this is the third time I've been to see you. You have never answered a single question I've asked you. I know nothing about your life. This morning, if you ask me those what next questions, you won't see me anymore because I'm not coming back to visit with you. Guess what? He has never asked me those questions again. So I found out kind of how smart he was. Anyway, after about maybe the fourth or fifth visit, now I'm up to about 45 minutes to 50 minutes spending with him every Saturday morning, if he's there. When I would say bye, he would get out of his chair as best he could, grab me around the waist and cry. And his grandmother would have to leave the cash register to come calm him down. After that happened twice, she called me on a Monday morning and said, Mr. Bradford, let me tell you why he does that. We don't have a social life because it's just me and HK together. Uh, we don't have any friends in our neighborhood. The kids won't play with HK because he looks different. They're afraid of him. Plus, he has to have somebody to hold his hand walking and, you know, so he can't get out and do things with him. So his only friends except the kids at school, and at school they all have disabilities. And they don't go out and play at recess. They don't play sports. They just sit in their wheelchairs or sit in the classroom and they don't have relationships. He said, she said, so the only friends he has are adults that come and buy breakfast or lunch on Saturdays and Sundays at the restaurant. And they stop at his table because he sits at the same table all the time and they talk to him. And then one day they probably assume that maybe there's a new restaurant in town. I'll start having breakfast there. They don't come back. And when you tell him bye, he thinks you're going to be like those other people and not come back to see him. So if a grandmother tells you that, how could you not keep going back to visit this little boy? So that's the way our friendship started. Let me tell you what I learned about the, from the visits we had. I learned that HK's mother, Mary, was 19 years old on July the 7th of 1990. She dropped out of school in the seventh grade at age 14. She had a baby at age 15. Uh, she's now 19. She's a high school uh, middle school dropout. She's been living with his father for eight months or something like that. She's six months pregnant. His father, William, has been, he, he went to school till the 10th grade, and then he dropped out because his buddies had a lifestyle he really liked better than education. They were into petty theft, drug use, alcohol consumption, abuse. He's in and out of jail and prison up and now he's 26 years old. And on Saturday, the 7th of July of 1990, uh, he's been working on a farm baling hay for $10 an hour. He's going to get $50 cash at 10, uh, 4 or 5 in the afternoon when she goes to pick him up. So anyway, on her way to pick him up, Mary stops at a convenience store. She's dressed. I don't know how she was dressed, but she's all cleaned up and she's ready to go out. Because $50 at, at the little pub that they go to puts them at the top of the income chain for that Saturday night. So anyway, long story short, she stops at the convenience store, fills a cooler full of ice and beer, and he gets off at 5 o'clock and comes, and I imagine when she raised the trunk and opened up the cooler full of beer, he probably wanted to hug her because he's, I'm sure, dehydrated, hungry, thirsty, tired, but he probably didn't. He probably gave her a high five because she looks, you know, smells good and clean. And I wasn't there, but I assume they can, I just assume that they probably consumed all the beverages in that cooler. On the way back to get cleaned up, he drives and she doesn't. She drove out there. But she doesn't, she doesn't buckle her seatbelt. He does. He runs off the road, not another, another car within a mile of them, and he hits an oak tree head on. And uh, he has a cut lip, bruised sternum. She is ejected from the vehicle and has severe head trauma. And so the paramedics, when they finally do arrive, they realize that her baby... His heart is still beating her unborn child, but she has, she's basically brain dead. So they put her on life support and called 
Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville, and they sent a helicopter called Life Flight to pick up her body, take her back to the hospital, and keep her on life support overnight till her mother, who's a truck driver, could get there to make the decision that the doctor's going to present to her. And what he said was, Mrs. Moon, your daughter, at 5.30 the next morning, July the 8th, he said, your daughter has severe head trauma. She will not survive. She's on life support. Your unborn grandson's heart's still beating, and we can deliver him if you want us to. If, you, if we do deliver him, we don't think he will live, but if he does live, he'll have a lifetime of issues. So if you prefer, we can just let him go with the mother. What's your choice? And thank God she made the decision she did, or we wouldn't be speaking to you tonight. She said, deliver the baby. Now, that grandmother on his mother's side died about three years ago at age 74. She never saw HK. She told the doctor to deliver him, but she never came back. So if you ever ask about or want to be introduced to the boy who nobody wanted, this is H.K. Deerberry. His father's into drugs. He didn't want him. The grandmother didn't want him. And there he is, 96 days in neonatal intensive care at Vanderbilt. About uh, two or three weeks after he's delivered, they realize he has a valve in his heart that's not closing. A two-pound baby, born three months premature, has got to have open-heart surgery. Now, if this occurred today, H.K. would be wealthier than probably all of us put together because he would sue Vanderbilt for millions, or somebody would, because to get his body strong enough, they put him on pure oxygen, and they left him too long, and that's why he's blind. Halfway through the 96-day stay in, in the neonatal intensive care, he had a brain bleed one day. They thought he was, they lost him, but they didn't. But it did cause him to have a stroke and cerebral palsy, so he's paralyzed on his right side. That's the way he began life. If your life has been tougher than that, raise your hand. I'd like to meet you when we're finished. That's a bad way to start. Everything else I can tell you about HK is nothing but positives. Let me tell you, he's paralyzed. So how many of you use a computer? How many hands does it take to use a computer? Both hands, right? So does it take both hands to use a Braille machine. Okay, HK can only use one hand, so therefore he can't use a Braille machine. Well, that means that he's illiterate. Probably it limits even what he can do in the future. When he was five years, and he started at age three and a half, the state somehow let him start early. I think it was because his mother would get free, free babysitting service. So he, there he is at three and a half. He's at Tennessee School for the Blind. When he was five in the kindergarten class, one teacher undoubtedly saw something in this young man that nobody else had ever seen because the school at that time was over 100 years old and no child had ever learned to use a Braille machine with just one hand until H.K. came along. So from age five, six, and seven, this lady taught H.K. how to use a Braille machine with his left hand only. And because of that, he, was, he is literate today. He can read and write Braille. Pretty amazing. Well, they still, because the other kids could use, that can use a, you know, some of the kids there couldn't do anything, but, but it was still school for the blind. So H.K. is one half the speed of the students at normally can use both hands. So they never put him into a graded class environment. He took some courses like basic arithmetic, history, English, but he wasn't in a graded class environment, mainly because they thought he would hinder the other students because he's so slow. One teacher believed in him. One teacher by the name of Bill Schenck, and I used to go to his IEP meetings where the teachers would give us feedback on how he's doing. And Bill would say, look, we need to put him in a regular class environment. I'm teaching this boy, and I know how smart he is. He's just slow because he can only use one hand. So eventually, the staff finally said, and this is a couple of, on the staff, a couple of PhDs. They said, okay, Bill, we're going to give you one chance. We'll put him in. He's old enough to be in the ninth grade. We'll put him in ninth grade. We'll leave him for nine weeks and see how he does. If he doesn't make it, then that's it. Don't ask us again. So they put him in the ninth grade. 
and he, he, he uh, excuse me, eighth grade. They put him in the eighth grade. After nine weeks, how do you think he was doing? Really good. No, he was doing terrible. But you're, you're going you're gonna to get a second chance. He was, doing, he, was, he was doing terrible. And they had another IEP meeting. They said, we told you so. It just is not working. Bill said, look, give us one more chance. Maybe he's not mature enough for the eighth grade because he has never been in a graded class environment. Let's put him in the sixth grade and see how he does. Listen carefully. He's got on a Blazers alumni shirt up here, so he's smart, I know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, after nine weeks in the sixth grade, how do you think he's doing? He's doing great. You're right, exactly right. He made the honor roll. Okay, after one more nine-week period, they called us back in, and his grandmother and me and HK and said, HK, we've got some great news for you. When you come back this fall, you will not be a seventh grader. You'll be an eighth grader because you've done so well, you're going to skip seventh grade. Pretty amazing. He graduated from high school with a regular academic diploma where he took algebra also and passed it. And so he took every course required by any normal student in the state of Tennessee. He became the first member of his mother's family ever to get a high school diploma. It takes a blind boy with CP that nobody wanted. Is that pretty amazing? Okay. Now, during the t after graduation, there is another school that you can go to in Tennessee, and one of the ladies and I talked about this earlier, uh, called Tennessee Real Rehabilitation Center. That's where they teach the kids to transition from school to work, also to independent living, keeping a budget, using having a checking account, learning to wash and dry your own clothes, cooking your own meals, shopping in a grocery store, all those things. And the, the courses normally last from normally six months to 24 months. After about four weeks, they call me and say, Mr. Bradford, we're going to let HK walk with the next graduating class. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he must have done wonderful. The reason we're going to let him go is because there's nothing we can do for him. We don't think there's anything he can do in life that would be an employment, and he certainly can't live by himself because he's blind with CP and paralysis on his right side. So HK said, Mr. Bradford, if I can't do anything, what am I going to do in life? I don't want to sit with Grammy in the restaurant every Saturday morning listening to my radio. I said, HK, you know, you've got a remarkable story of overcoming obstacles in life. Most people have never endured what you've endured. I think you could be a great motivational speaker. And HK said, Yes, that's what I've always wanted to be, a motivational speaker. And then he said, What is a motivational speaker? <laughs> He wanted to be one. He just didn't know what it was. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we started by, we've never advertised until this year. And actually, I just sent out about 140 postcards this year, Book HK, and it tells kind of his story. But uh, we started this uh, 2013 or 14. Somebody invited us to come speak to a senior adult class at Christ Presbyterian Church. What? It was 2007, July 22nd. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told that. Uh, he corrects me. I'm a, I haven't got to his memory yet. Okay. Uh, Oops. But the the date he said, the date. What was it, July seventh? July twenty second. Of what? Two thousand what? Seven. Seven. Okay. Anyway, that's the first time we ever did a speaking engagement. And I kind of he couldn't talk very much, so I kind of did the talking, told the little story I just shared with you. Well, these eighty year olds were passing boxes of Kleenex around. I'm thinking this must be the worst thing they've ever heard. When I got through, David Booth, who had invited us to come speak, he's, got, he's wiping tears. I, was, I said, David, I apologize. It was terrible. He said, no, that's what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to tell him his life story. That's, so that was just wonderful. So anyway, a few months later, somebody called us from a Baptist church. Heard y'all spoke at a Presbyterian church. We'd like for you to come and speak to one of our classes. We did same results. Everybody's passing around Kleenex. So I said, HK, look, if we're going to be motivational speakers, we can't make them cry because I, I can't take this. We've got to make them laugh. So the next time we got an invitation, we kind of rehearsed a little bit and kind of put a few little stories together, and it went better. Uh, just a few people cried. 
So anyway, that, that's the way we started. But since 2017, this is pretty amazing. Without advertising, we have spoken in 29 U.S. states and the Grand Cayman Islands to more than 155,000 people. Pretty amazing. For a boy that nobody wanted, and they didn't, he had a choice of letting him go with the mother or we can deliver. Pretty amazing. Now, he's always had this special memory that his grandmother just knew he was some kind of special, but she never told anybody about it. But he does have this gift. And what is your name in the black outfit? Speak up so he can hear it. When's your birthday, including the year? What's your name again? DJ. DJ. Oh, I've heard you on radio. (laughs) Okay. Okay, give HK your birth date. You were born on a on a Wednesday on that day way back in nineteen twenty five. In nineteen twenty five WSM radio started in Nashville. That's the Grand Ole Opry Station W WSM. Yeah. Okay. It came on the air that day in nineteen twenty five. Okay. Uh, sir in the blue shirt there. What's your name? Bo. Bo? Bo, when's your birthday? August 5th, 1952. August 5th, 52. You were born on a Tuesday. Anything else happened on that day? That day in 2015, there, there was a stab. Stabbing incident. That's enough. At a movie theater in Hickory Hollow, Antioch, Well, anyway, he has this great memory. Uh, he had, and then Vanderbilt heard about his memory. So their memory clinic studied his brain for six months. And they said, maybe we can determine something from studying his brain that will help Alzheimer's patients. What they learned was... Uh, well, they probably learned more than this, but they learned that his, the portion of his brain that's memory is 20% larger than a normal 21-year-old male. They don't know why, but uh, they did the study, and uh, the, he has a condition called hyperthymesia, or highly superior autobiographical memory. He can remember every minute of every day of his life since he was four years old. Okay, so pretty amazing. He also, you'll notice, no wrinkles on his face. At Vanderbilt, he's also a study case for Botox. (laughs) But the Botox is, he has, he's paralyzed here because he has cerebral palsy. He gets, how many, is it three or five? Three. Three Botox shots every three months? Yeah. Every three months. And that allows his arm to relax, the muscles to relax. And if you've seen a lot of people that have cerebral palsy, they're kind of all drawn up. That's because their muscles contract. So he also was and still is uh, a test case for taking the Botox shots because it allows him to straighten his arm out. And then they're studying him right now. How will this affect stroke patients? So he's been a big deal at Vanderbilt. Uh, That's some of the first that, that he's done. So... Pretty amazing what a person can do if, you know, if you have an opportunity to do it. And uh, we have just finished talking to, uh, we've got about two more engagements to go with the Tennessee Prison Ministry, where we go to these youth facilities where the kids are 13 to 18. They haven't done a crime bad enough to be in prison, but they need, they can't stay at home and do certain things. So they are there for six to 12 months. And uh, we've just finished, or in the process of finishing our seventh year of going to these seven group, I call them group homes, but it's boys and girls, boys and girls. And uh, it's amazing the impact that HK has on them and the questions they come back with. Well, I can't go. I don't have good parents, HK. What should I do? And it's amazing how they've been impacted by just him coming and spending an hour or so with them. And we were just at one of the boys' groups the other day, and they said, HK, we would be so honored if you could come back and have lunch with us some days. And so, anyway, he, he's, he makes a contribution. Now, the memory thing I talked about is really special because when I'm with him and I, at my age, uh, and I know I probably am a lot older than you think I am, 
somebody told me a while ago, I said, I can't believe you were born that year. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but anyway, they couldn't couldn't believe it. Don't tell HK, that's a secret. You're going to be 81. Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, I have a memory problem, short-term memory. If you ask me about something in 1957, I can tell you anything. Tommy Lorena with Auburn rushed for 376 yards in 1957. He wound up his career with 896 rushing yards. I can remember all that stuff by listening to my little portable radio up in Athens, Alabama, in Limestone County. But I can't remember the name of my wife some days. <laughs> but if I'm with HK, it's like having Google sitting next to you. <laughs> I mean, he remembers everything. And I have to call him sometimes. Matter of fact, today... Yesterday was his birthday, but he called today because he got busy and didn't do it. But he called and talked to Gene Stallings today in Powderly, Texas. He was 89 yesterday. And he called his daughter, Laurie, today and said, Laurie, are you still at the parents' house? No, no, we're about an hour away from, we're on our way back to Dallas. He said, oh, gosh, I was going to sing happy birthday to him, but I'm still, oh, yeah, he'll be so excited. So HK calls all of his buddies on their birthdays. So he calls Coach Stallings. Hello, HK here, Coach. Boy, what are you doing calling me? And he said, and then he sings happy birthday to him. He said, Coach, I love you. He said, but I still like Auburn better than Alabama. And he said, you got to be for Alabama. Yeah. Well, he used to come and visit in Brentwood because his grandson went to school there and, and played football at uh, David Lipscomb High School and he would come to the games when he was a senior and he'd pick up HK in the SUV and going over there he would say coach I'm still for Auburn boy if you say that one more time I'm gonna stop this SUV and put you out so but the, the memory thing also can be a little embarrassing for certain people one night on a Sunday night after a church we took Brenda and I took HK to a fast food restaurant where you go to one window and place your order. They give you a number on a little container, and you go put it on your table. And then they call your number, you go back, or either they'll bring it out to you. But as we got up to the counter, and this is not too long after I'd met HK, he weighed about 52 pounds at that point. And he's about as tall at that time as the counter was high. And the man behind the counter looks over and says, Pardon me, is that you, HK? Yes, What's your name? Uh, I'm Stanley. Are you the one that worked at Miss Winters with my grandmother? Yes, I used to work with your grandmother Pearl over at Mrs. Winters on Franklin Road. Are you the one that got fired for smoking marijuana? <laughs> Are you the one that got fired for smoking marijuana? <laughs> true, true story. Brenda said, did he say what I think he did? I said, he did. She said, order and let's get out of here. <laughs> and now the memory thing too is, oh, I'll tell you one more little story before I let you talk to HK. But Vanderbilt has a terrible football team, uh, terrible basketball team right now, but their baseball team is one of the nationally recognized baseball teams. Well, when they have a home series on the weekends, it's usually, especially when the Southeastern Conference game starts, it's a Thursday, a, a Friday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Sunday. And they stay, the opposing team, the visiting team, normally stays at a, at a Marriott courtyard near my home next door to a McDonald's restaurant. And uh, so one Sunday morning, I picked up HK at Mrs. Winters. His grandmother would bring him to Mrs. Winters. I'd go pick him up. We'd normally go to McDonald's for breakfast. Then we'd go pick up my wife. Then we'd go to church. So we go to McDonald's for breakfast, and when we walk in, this is Sunday morning. They've already played Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, and day Sunday. So there's three boys there waiting for their food, and the taller of the three has on a pair of athletic shorts. It has a big red G, and I know that's a Georgia G. And I said, HK, I said, I believe these boys must play baseball for Van- uh, Georgia. And HK uh, said, Oh, uh, how do you know? How do you know? Well, the boy's got a big red G on his shorts. Oh, can I go meet them? Yeah, I'll take you up there. You can meet them. So I take HK over. HK says, what, what? You play baseball for Georgia? Yeah, we do. What's your name? Now, the taller of the three boys is the one standing closest to us. And HK says, 
What's your name? I'm Robert. Robert what? Robert Bowers. Oh, Robert, you were the pitcher yesterday. Yeah, how'd you know that? <laughs> you, you only lasted for... <laughs> you, you only lasted three innings. <laughs> In three innings, they hit four home runs on Robert. <laughs> the, these other two boys were just cracking up and then he finally said what's your name and whatever his name was he said you were right field what's your name you were the shortstop how did you know that well I listened to radio and so it's remarkable anything he hears he never forgets now on the birthday thing when we finish tonight we can do it up here some of you may have to rush home but if you want to meet HK and ask some questions find out the day he'll sit here or we can sit out by the table with the books and you come up and give him your birthday and he'll tell you the day of the week you were born. He has one lady, little lady that used to come to our church. She hasn't come back since COVID. She's about 94. She's about 4 foot 10, about the same height as HK. And uh, her husband passed away several years ago, but he was a comedian. He and HK would get together and just have the craziest little stories to tell every Sunday morning. And uh, so he would come up to, her name is Doris Lane. He'd say, Doris, HK here said, said, uh, when's your birthday? And now, all these years, he, 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 I don't know how many times he asked her. Every Sunday, he asked her the same question. She'd say, HK, can you keep a secret? And he'd say, yes. Well, she said, so can I. <laughs> so, so she never told him. Uh. Anyway, with that, we've, we don't have long to talk because I've been watching that clock. I didn't realize I'd tell you so much. But please welcome my buddy, HK Deerberry. <laughs> Good evening. The Baptist Church will put y'all to shame, so let's do no. that again. <laughs> okay. Good evening. Good evening. I, as Mr. Webber said, I am, we are honored to be invited to share our story with you this evening. We hope it'll encourage, inspire, and motivate you to have the best day of your life each and every day of your life. I realize the importance of starting these events on time. I was afraid we were going to be late getting here this evening. Traffic on traffic on I sixty five south from Columbia to the sea was bumper to bumper. And I was driving as fast as I could to get here. I was screaming. <laughs> we finally made it. Only problem is all of your church congregation members took up all the good parking places. <laughs> so I have no idea where I park my vehicle. <laughs> so when you leave the event tonight, if any of you see a red SUV with Tennessee license plates, please, please, let me know that this might be my vehicle. <laughs> you may not realize by looking at me, I have some disabilities. I am blind and I have cerebral palsy. So I can't do all the things that you folks can do. It doesn't keep me from wanting to do those things. I have a dream of doing those things that people have told me all my life I could never do with my disabilities. Like many of you, I love sports. I've always wanted to play sports, but I figure with my disabilities, 
I'll never have the opportunity to play sp sports, but just in, just in case the opportunity ever presents itself, like your minister, Chris Laughlin, I've always tried to stay in great tip-top physical condition. <laughs> my, my Chris Laughlin daily exercise routine includes I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. Try to be real quiet, not to wake anyone up. Then I put on my New Balance walking shoes and my Alabama Crimson Tide sports attire. Then I work up a big sweat by walking around the block three times as fast as I can. Then I stop, take a couple of deep breaths to relax. And then I bend over. I pick up the block. Slow crowd. Then I put the block back in the closet. Then climb back in bed, sleep to ten. My favorite sport is football. I've always wanted to play football, but I figured with my disabilities, I will never have the opportunity to play football. However, last year, one day after the Tennessee Volunteers crushed the Vanderbilt Commodores in football last November 48-24. I overheard a disgruntled Vanderbilt football fan say, our quarterback must be blind. <laughs> he couldn't complete a single pass. Well, folks, when I heard that, that is the most exciting news I'd ever heard. <laughs> I thought if Vanderbilt's quarterback's blind, I, I, <laughs> I'm blind. I, I, I can play. <laughs> I can play play quarterback on a college football team. So I immediately. And Mr. Bradford drive me to Knoxville, Tennessee, <laughs> where I met with Tennessee head football coach Josh Hyper. I said, Coach Hyper, I I love. T I'm I'm glad to meet you today. I love. Tennessee football. I love the Vols. I love college football. I would love to play quarterback for the Tennessee Vols. Coach Apple said, HK, I'm glad you're a big Tennessee volunteer football fan. I'm glad you're a big college football fan. I'm glad you would love to play, be our quarterback for the Tennessee Vols. But you are a brave young man. But you, in order to play for the Vols, you are not fast enough. You don't weigh enough. You're not tall enough. And you are not related to Peyton Manning. <laughs> As you folks would expect, I didn't make the team. <laughs> Coach Apples said, HK, we, we can't use you here at Tennessee. <laughs> but why, 
Why don't you go over to Vanderbilt? They frequently, they frequently, they can probably use you because they frequently have blind quarterbacks. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't make either team. I didn't give up though. I was once told your attitude determines your altitude in life. So like all of you, like all of you folks here tonight, I never gave up. I like to soar like an Alabama crimson tide chasing a busload of Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> then I thought to myself, I said, HK, let's think of something that would be easy for you folks to do, but would be very, very challenging for a blind boy to do. Then I remembered I've been riding in my grandmother's vehicle for, for 43 and a half years now. She makes driving seem really easy. <laughs> when I heard that one of your members, Christy Russell, drives 50 in a 35 mile an hour speed zone, through downtown Trustville <laughs> while drinking Starbucks coffee and sending text messages at the same time. <laughs> I thought, since I don't drink coffee and I don't text, <laughs> driving must be really easy. <laughs> So I immediately applied for driver's education. <laughs> the instructor took one look at me, said, HK, thanks for applying for this course. You are a brave young man, but you need a learner's permit for completion of this course. Come back when you can get one. Well, folks, as you can imagine, I hadn't been back, and I won't be going back until they invent a car that can safely drive itself. <laughs> folks, I realize here at Grace Community Church, you expect your ministers and your speakers to always be honest and tell the truth. Well, I'm most I must apologize to you folks. What I just told you this evening is not the truth. It's a joke. <laughs> With my disabilities, I cannot play football or drive a car. Well, I went to school. All of us boys are blind, so we don't even have a football team, much less offer driver's education. <laughs> if they offer driver's ed, they'd lose all the federal funding. <laughs> Plus, the accident rate in Tennessee would be a lot higher. <laughs> I also found some more inspiration from reading the Bible. As Romans 12, 6 says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things for Christ who strengthens me. In sports, there's small schools like Sanford University in Birmingham if they have to play a big school like Auburn or Alabama in basketball, they would be considered the underdog, which means they are not expected to win. Well, in life, 
I have always been considered the underdog. What I mean by that is people tell me things I can't do with, without complimenting me for things that I can. When I was born, due to the accident that took my mother's life, doctors told my grandmother I probably wouldn't live long. Well, July 8th of this past year, I just turned 33 years old and I'm still kicking. <laughs> Doctors also told my grandmother that if I did live, I would probably be confined to a wheelchair. Well, I walked in here today, no need for a wheelchair. In school, teachers told my grandmother and I that I wasn't smart enough nor capable to handle a regular class load. So they were saying I wouldn't graduate high school. Well, June 1st, 2012, this little underdog pulled a major upset. I completed all the courses required of me by State of Tennessee in order to receive a regular academic high school diploma. And I passed them all, including algebra, which is especially a challenge for a blind boy who reads and writes well with only the use of one hand. What I'm sharing with you folks tonight is with God in your life, anything in life is possible. If you are called, <laughs> determine what your capabilities are. Maintain positive attitude. You, you can accomplish most anything in life within your capabilities. The, on, the only disability in the observing life is negative attitude. So I encourage all of you to always be positive if you are ever down, depressed, just think things can't get any worse. Just pick up the phone, call toll free to HKDB in Columbia, Columbia, Tennessee. I, I will give you a no charge, 100% money back guarantee. Grace, Grace Community Church. Pep talk. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all for having us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, tonight's HK said, how much food did they have? I said, well, they're probably going to take about as much home as we ate. I've, uh, I've never seen that much. HK said, well, let me help them. And he had four helpings. <laughs> I only had one. <laughs> one large one. Put sideboards on your plate. But anyway, thank y'all for having us. Oh, this Facebook. Is, how many of you do Facebook? Okay. His website is hkderryberry.com. There are some business cards on the table with the books. If you'll remember to do it, go to his website, like his fan page, and you can kind of keep up with his adventures. Uh, right now, he has about 15,500 people that follow him on Facebook. I didn't mention this, but uh, because HK will never really be able to have, I don't think, employment as we, we think of employment. And I don't know how much longer I can be his mentor to travel with him to speak and things. Uh, I hope it's a long time, but I'm getting pretty old. You're sure so, young. Well, yeah, pretty young to you. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, one of the things that uh, I did do a few years ago, I set up a special needs trust. And so the money that goes into his trust is for his long-term future care. And so uh, that's one of the benefits of the travels and speaking. We take what he earns there and put it into a trust. We've never had to use any of it, and it's there for the long term. And uh, his, I didn't mention this, but his grandmother about a year and a half ago had a severe stroke. So for uh, 60 weeks, uh, I had to pay for 24-7 sitters for HK because he can't live by himself. And that was when she was hospitalized in, in rehab. And, after she came and then after she came up for a few months, and she's gotten better. She now can get in, in, in bed, out of bed, in bed by herself, out of bed into a wheelchair. Uh, she's paralyzed on her left side where he's paralyzed on his right side. And so uh, the, the state government, a program called 10 Care Choices, provides a sitter to come for HK, not the grandmother, but she comes uh, six days a week for eight hours a day. And so that's been a real blessing. And uh, just uh, I was telling somebody that is in this profession, uh, it seems like, and I don't may, mean this way it sounds, but people in the lower income brackets, they sometimes don't have access to computers and all the technology. And it's such a difficult thing for them to get all the benefits that are there. They just don't know about it. And they don't have maybe a mentor that can help them. And so uh, it's just, uh, you know, if you know of somebody uh, that needs assistance, you know, there, I know in all your lives there is an HK out there waiting for you. Maybe not a little blind boy with cerebral palsy, but it could be your next-door neighbor that you went to high school with that needs help. Maybe somebody's got a kid that's got some major problems. Maybe the husband and wife. They just need a friend. That's what HK needed when I met him. I'm not saying I didn't need it because I must have because I put up with him for 24 years. Uh, so uh, anyway, it has been a blessing for us to be here. Just uh, hope the church continues to grow. Missions. Uh, matter of fact, my granddaughter left yesterday going with her, a church group from the University of Georgia with adult chaperones, and they're going over to do mission work. Uh, I, she went, she's been two or three summers where they build houses and all kinds of things, and, and so they're in Jamaica on a mission trip. So uh, just I encourage you, uh, if you can get involved in the church activities, because there's a lot of ministry just within five miles of this building. So uh, anyway, thank you for inviting us. It's been a pleasure. If you'd like to meet HK, would you rather I just let him sit here and talk to you, or would you... Rather I move out. Okay, we'll move outside. So anyway, thank you again. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, I turned it off. Um, please. Go out, meet HK, speak to him, buy one of the books. Um, I'm going to purchase one. I didn't buy one in 2017, um, but I'm going to purchase one tonight and read it. And But I do follow him on Facebook. I've followed him since 2017. And HK, I saw a video of you downhill skiing. Yes, I am a professional skier. <laughs> yep. So if you go to his Facebook page, you click on the videos. There's several videos of him downhill skiing. It's amazing. He only takes out about 10 people in the first two minutes of it. But after that, he really gets the hang of it. So. He rides horses in the spring and fall. Therapeutic riding. He's been doing that for about 20 years. And I've also flew an airplane to Kentucky, ate lunch at Patty's restaurant, and then I... Flew back and I did not eat a thing. <laughs> he, he was accused of running over two buzzards. Oh. Well, so go follow him. Please stay around as long as you would like. They, they will be happy to. Um, the books are already pre-signed. They're $20. Just drop it in the little jar they have out there. And if you have extra money to bless them with a love offering, that would be just amazing for his future care. So, um, Bruce, would you mind praying for us? Thank you all again for coming. 
Let's pray, family. Uh, Father, we just uh, thank you for how you've blessed us tonight uh, through this young man, HK, and just how you, um, uh, we heard from others today, just, uh, just look at the what ifs in his life and uh, how you've uh, worked uh, in through him and through others uh, to bring him to this point. We just thank you and the blessing it was, again, to have him here. Lord, uh, may what we've heard tonight, uh, the motivation, the encouragement uh, to always have a positive attitude, but a positive attitude, but always remember uh, our relationship with you and uh, depending on you uh, and on your guidance. We thank you for what you're going to be doing. And uh, just uh, as we go through this next week, help us to be sensitive to your spirit and his promptings as we uh, go day to day at work, at home, school, wherever. In Jesus' name, amen.